grinding to a halt. This week, talking to Josh Robbins. I've known Josh for two or three years. We originally met on Twitter uh, through a mutual friend, and I have guested on one of his podcasts quite a few times. And this was the first time we've really dug into career, work, really any of these topics, other than David Lynch. We do talk about David Lynch a little bit. Outside of David Lynch, we talk primarily about change and about starting over. Josh is kind of at an inflection point in his career. The company he was with most recently had a round of layoffs, the company shut down, and now he is looking to start over. He's looking for his next move. And so we have a conversation about what it's like to start to build a career, start moving down a path, and then have everything just kind of stop. And then you have to decide what's next. So we talk about that. We talk about music. We talk about his creative process. We talk about movies a little bit. Yeah, it's just a great conversation. I really enjoy talking to Josh. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Here's my conversation with Josh. Oh, okay yeah that's what i that's what i mean that's what we do on jorts um that's what i sort of try and do in spinning out and sometimes yeah. i kind of like edit like a hello into what their random stuff they were saying or um yeah, yeah. but other times i just kind of like do like a pre-roll and then uh just to kind of get the person comfortable mm-hmm. and then i don't know why i'm telling you how to podcast you have multiple episodes it's not really much of anything you just do it yeah yeah, which is, I like that about it, but that's also like the scariest part is mm-hmm. that I can't, there's not like a, a right way. It is yeah. <laughs> very yeah. much just to figure it out uh, and either it works or it doesn't. And I'm I not think hap- happy with any of it yet, but that's because I feel like I'm still really trying to figure it out. Yeah, I I think what's funny is I remember before starting, I was talking to someone that like works for like an NPR affiliate and they were like, well, you want to make sure no episodes over 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but that's not what any of the podcasts I listen to are. That's exactly. not the ones I enjoy. Yeah. So I just kind of did what I do with any sort of creative endeavor. It's like sort of try and create the thing you enjoy. And yeah. it hasn't actually served me well to not just listen to the person. Maybe they're right. I assume <laughs> they're probably right that like if you want to maximize the amount of people that listen to you, Mm-hmm. probably don't have like an hour and a half episode like every week yeah. you know is is what um i so i think that person was right it's just like i've never known how to do anything correct my whole life so why start <laughs> now at this you know advanced uh part of my 30s so i i think that brings up a good question though is because i'm the same like i love shows like blake check where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to talk about RoboCop for three and a half hours. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah, I will. If you talk about RoboCop for seven hours, I will listen yeah. to all. Even if it takes me, it. if it takes me like a week to get through it, like I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't need something because I think the person's reasoning was like, they need to be able to finish it in a car ride home. Yeah. And then it's like, no, I'm fine if it's multiple car rides. And then yeah. there are times where I go back to a podcast where like, will I understand what they're talking about? And then it's right away and then you're brought back and then it's kind of like you're like, 
it's like having an ongoing conversation with the friends. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think the question is, they may be right, like you said. They, yeah. they probably have better intel and data yeah. than we do. But just because it's right in the way that could make your show more successful, is that the show you would want to do? Because I could do like a 15-minute version of this show mm -hmm. where it's just like, yeah, I could have successful people on and just kind of like suck their dick for 15 minutes. Yeah, I have yeah. no interest in that. That is not what I'm trying to do at all. And the best feedback I've gotten have been people who are like, oh, well, it seems so natural. Like it feels agendaless. Like mm -hmm. you just go in and you have a conversation and it has natural ebbs and flows and then it naturally ends. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I want a natural feeling conversation, not, all right, I got to make sure we talk about these five points and then you got to plug your thing and then everybody's happy. That doesn't, that does not interest me. But wouldn't it be nice to like have something? I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking about you and your lovely family and your <laughs> job that seems to make you a lot of money and you're very happy about all of this thing. But what I'm saying is like, I feel like I would like to feel successful at like one aspect of my life, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I feel like it's like, I have to go into everything being me Yeah, so much that it's going to make it awkward somewhere because sometimes you don't need that much of me and that. No, I, I feel that. And yeah, my job is good my job is unfulfilling in every possible way i can imagine which is what most people feel so for me i like this because this is like and it's still performative absolutely this is i'm still trying to put mm -hmm. on the show but it's the closest version of me that i feel like i can put out without saying sh wild shit that would make me become unemployable <laughs> yeah 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 so, yeah so I, I i i like this and if I could choose one of the two to be the thing that pays my bills, it would absolutely be this. This is like oh, for a, sure, for a sure. Crea a creative endeavor I enjoy it doesn't mean it's not a pain in the ass. Yeah, and that there's times that I don't want to do it, and I definitely don't want to edit any of it. I don't want to <laughs> make TikToks, but that's part of it if I want to grow it. But yeah, if I had to choose between the two, this is the one I would absolutely prefer to do. Um, so I think I'm also limiting myself by not following set formats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's 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 kind of like, too, I mean, to bring it into like a deeper conversation. I feel like every conversation I have is like, how can I bring it down? How can I bring, you know, like kind of bum someone out, listen to it? But it's like, like, how do I... Yeah, like, how do I get a little closer to, like, who I am? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in a way, I feel like I'm about to just, like, repeat myself from earlier. It's just, like, who is the genuine me? Mm -hmm. And but, but this is where it holds me back. And here's an example that popped in my head. I feel like there's a thing on Twitter or really any sort of social media platform where it is behoo of you to sort of recycle the joke. Of course you will, you know, that's like how you can get success. So it's yeah. like, so then in the way of like, I guess, podcasting, it's like pick a format that seems to work for other people. Yeah. And the sidebar there before I bring it back to Twitter, I guess it's like, I'm not really sure if we've picked the right examples, you know, like it's like when I, when I think of like 
when people are like, what bands are your bands influence? Mm -hmm. I tell them bands that weren't really that successful. Yeah. So what hope do I have if they had like a moment in the sun? If like my reference is like, you know, the band sugar from like the early nineties and mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's like any sort of band that didn't really get exactly probably what they were wanting at the time or like the yeah. replacements or something like that. But to the thing of like the Twitter example, I feel like when I see that happening, I want to go my own way or I just don't yeah. want to, I don't want to be involved at all. Yeah. But it's sort of like, if I just were to, you know, like put a little, like, I don't even know if it's ego aside, mm -hmm. I would, I would be able to do something successful if I could allow myself to mimic other people. And that's not to say that I'm like, Oh, I have to do the original thing. Yeah. Cause nothing's original. But it's sort of like when I see like a bunch of people doing it, I just go, it's either like, I don't want to do the same thing, mm -hmm. but most of the time it's, I don't, it's already been done. Why am I going to kind of do that again? But that's how it feels with like a lot of things, you know? Yeah. So two follow-ups to that. Uh, what is going to be creative and what's going to be professional? So in the creative sense, do you think that that is just like, the desire to create something that feels pure and real to you. Like, yeah, you could go annoyingly. Write... So annoyingly. So yeah. Yeah. So like you could go write a pop song. There's yeah. a, a set formula. Everybody knows what that formula is the same way with like worship music is a good example. Yeah. Of like the guys in the band Emery, uh, they had a podcast for a while and they would joke and like improv a, a worship song and it'd be like, well, you need, you need an adjective, you need an element, you need a key change and like just on the spot, make up a worship song. They're like, because it's, it's the same as a pop music formula. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's same. harder. I mean, I know you had a couple points to put in there, mm -hmm. but for that thing, it's actually harder. And sometimes it's not when I have that impulse, it's not even technically originality. Like I don't mm -hmm. be like, I have to create this new yeah. genre that no one's ever heard. Sometimes it is like working within the confines of something I guess I deem as an original thought, yeah. it probably would still be like the, even the desire to create your own, like uh, I was, was going to say church song, whatever mm -hmm. church song. Yeah. Um, it's hard because it's kind of the same thing. It's like everything feels like it's been done. So then mm -hmm. you're like, so then it's kind of hard if you just don't like turn your brain off and let it be like, and yeah. that that's sometimes even with songwriting, it's like, I'm like, I've already done this, played these chords in this order, mm -hmm. you know, and then, but it's like, something's got to come to you. And I guess like to, to someone that's actually writing Christian music, genuinely, they, they believe in God, then, you know, it's sort of like, they would be like the spirit moved through me, yeah. but then it might just be a new rendition on how they're saying the words, hallelujah. Yeah. But to them, they're like, wow, but that's, well, sometimes when you create something original, mm -hmm or you feel like you do it's I'm not saying like, I'm like, I sewed my own pants today. No one else sewed pants like me, you know, but like, it's like, but sometimes you're like, Oh, I know it basically, but, I, but I did this myself. I arrived at the same conclusion you did, yeah. but originally, but not to derail you off your other points you had. No, no. The other point was just going to be like professionally. It also is beneficial to copy what you're seeing. So being in marketing, I know there's a very yeah. specific like type of digital marketing guy. And a few years ago, as I started like 
just watching what people were posting on LinkedIn and seeing how they were interacting. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I can just pick up pieces of this because this is what people are going to look for in an interview. So like if I start to say these words, I know I can get a job. And I did. They turned out to be jobs I mostly didn't want because I was getting them based on a fake version of who I was. Yeah. Whereas now my approach is very much in an interview. Like I'm, I would probably do an interview in this Bruce Lee t-shirt. Um, I would not dress up. I will cuss in my interviews. I will say whatever I want to say, because for me, it's more about getting a position because you like me. Mm-hmm. The skill set is irrelevant. I've done it long yeah. enough that I wouldn't have gotten this far if I couldn't do the job. So I want to make sure that they like who I am and the personality I bring. Yeah. Um, well, and it took a while to get to a realization of like, oh, I can just I can do that. I could just sell like me. I could be the product. I I think I think where I'm at right now, normally, if I had if I still had a job right now, mm-hmm. I would have 100 percent agreed with you Yeah, because I would have it's been a like, position I'm of privilege. I'm, I'm aware of that because I am I am so much me. And I feel like mm-hmm. the more I showed me and the more I told them about the things that I knew. Mm-hmm. The more it sort of applied or they were like, oh, wow, he like really knows this very specific thing that he spent yeah. his life doing like, you know, uh, but I as not having a job, I'm mm-hmm. very I'm very like uh, I'm not sure about that because yeah. it's sort of like it hasn't even, it hasn't served the job search well to be mm-hmm. impeccably me. To the yeah. point that I like, I almost refuse to do cover letters, and I almost like because I'm like, if you want to get to know me, yeah, like talk to me, because I I don't feel that I can really express myself well on a paper, especially on a piece of paper that, you know, honestly might be AI generated because we got to put the buzzwords in. You know, yeah. it's like it's like, you know, uh, it's yeah, and that's like a whole different thing, but it's like. I don't feel that I'm going to be able to sell someone on me with just mm-hmm. essentially like a picture of me. I wouldn't yeah. buy me off of an image of me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I feel like that's like what the my resume screams and mm-hmm. you know and I I've I've looked at it, I've looked at it again, I've I've taken edits, I've moved it into a PDF from it being, you know, a word document just to yeah. snazz things up a little bit more. All of those little things. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, but I I also think that what's funny about that is I'm so, con- I guess we're saying we're both thinking that we can, we can get it if we just are able to show us. Yeah, if we can get in front of the person. But are we, are we getting in front of the people? Because I would assume most people looking at a resume are just putting it to an AI generator yeah. to look and for keywords. Then, and then whoever comes up first, you know, out of those five people out of the 105, yeah. you know, then those five people, they, yeah, they probably will get a chance to say who they truly are. And that's mm-hmm. where I feel like I'm closer to winning, but you're not even, you're not even allowed to go to that next step yeah, to show who you are because, you didn't put, you know, I don't know, whatever word, yeah. you know, uh, in there that that would have allowed you to do that. So so I guess back to the original point, somehow it's kind of like. Is keeping it real, like <laughs> helping 
Oh yeah, I don't know if it's really helping me mm -hmm. in that in this case, you know, like not yeah. to make this like oh woe is me kind of thing. I think just realistically, I, I feel like that's the position. Yeah. Uh my algorithm on TikTok is now telling me different ways to get a job. And you know, and so it it's it's it becomes part of that might be interacting with me on TikTok. So I apologize for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been helpful. I think like, you know, also seeing you know, I, I listened to uh, I, I I had his name and the guy who was in uh, Squirt. I listened to oh, yeah. his Jordan yesterday. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to be like the guy from Squirt. Yeah. Um, I I didn't know who Squirt was, um, but I but I feel like I want to find Squirt on streaming. I don't know if mm -hmm. their music is up in that fashion. I think it was on Amazon Music was where yeah. I found it. They need Jordan, to put it on Jordan if you're listening, just DM me so we can make sure Josh and I have copies. I can get it on. I can get it on Spotify. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, just those conversations about work and everything. I, those conversations have been helping me mm -hmm. and kind of seeing them through a lens of not exactly like I feel like every LinkedIn picture, it, it feels like it's like somebody AI generated like their smile yeah oh, you know yeah. and i feel like there's there's lots of people i've seen on there that are doing an extension of themselves but mm -hmm. i'm like you know i'm like oh i understand this but yeah it's also like i'm like this is the platform for it mm -hmm. why am i so resistant to just putting that version of myself up there because it would actually serve me well <laughs> yeah you know, that that's that's what's funny. I mean, I feel like that's something that maybe you've been able to crack through mm -hmm. and that this will help me and my family if I'm able to exude this part of myself. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, no, I have to smoke this. I have to smoke a cigarette and like hang out in the alleyway and not be a conformist kind of thing. Um, no, I very much feel that last statement. Um, one of the initial taglines I was thinking about for this show was the anti-capitalist anti business podcast mm -hmm. because like that's where I actually stand I am very anti-capitalism I hint at those things on LinkedIn every now and then I'm very yeah. open about how I feel about the way that platform works and how they there's so much positioning I mean it is just like business dude Instagram is all that yeah. LinkedIn is so I want to be the the opposite of that and you gain some traction, but you also get a lot of people that will DM you and be like, hey, you're you're just an entitled millennial. People will people message you that on LinkedIn. I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm like I yeah, no one has ever told me their true opinion of anything mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. Like I, I don't I mean, I feel like I have two posts that I've ever made. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I mean, I guess you post a lot. So yeah, like three to four times a week is is yeah. my norm. So like I have like a content planning schedule where like I will think of a topic. Um, having yeah. a show to promote helps with that a lot because I know one to two times a week I can just talk about this shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that, that gives me some content. But you stay in the algorithm really easily because not a lot of people post. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a channel that's really easy to gain traction on, but it's the one that feels the dirtiest to me to gain traction. On. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's like, 
sometimes when I'm when I'm I've been there a lot lately. Yeah. <laughs> Most of my time is spent there. Um uh, and like it's hard it's hard with LinkedIn. It's like I don't feel like there's like a, a lot of traction I've gotten in terms of like mm -hmm. job search. Uh it is easier to apply for jobs there. The thing that keeps me there is the jobs that I'm applying for do feel more real than like even Dynamite or like Indeed. Yeah. Like I, I think I said it on Twitter. It's like LinkedIn feels like the job you want, but you'll never get. Yeah. Like Dynamite feels like a job that doesn't exist, but you're like, I don't like in a different country and like i don't really understand what this role is <laughs> like too good to be true sometimes then indeed is like the job you probably will get but you mm -hmm. definitely don't want like in yeah. any fashion in any fashion of i mean i don't technically want any job uh but i know that i'd like to make money because yeah. i don't i don't want to starve and yeah. blah 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 um uh, so i'm like LinkedIn feels like a necessity. Mm -hmm. So it, you're smarter to have embraced this. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I, I don't feel better having made a decision that sort of like puts me at odds with these things. Like I yeah. feel like I'm actively like hurting my family, my family being my wife and my dog. Uh, yeah. You know, like, like it, it's not cool at my age to be mm -hmm. this uh, oppositional that's the word i meant to use yeah but what's funny is like i don't this wasn't even the topic we were going to talk about today <laughs> it's not but it kind of also is it can segue easily into change and i assume this came from that tiktok that i posted oh yeah 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 that yeah. really uh and also what was interesting with that is like i feel like there's so much of my algorithm that was like do this and you'll get a job or this yeah. is what I'm looking for a headhunter. It's like, it wasn't a lot of them aren't in sort of the headspace mm -hmm. of the person kind of looking for a job. And I feel like yours yeah. was more that. Yeah. And I would like to see that because I mean, there, there is to a degree because people are like, I applied for a thousand jobs and I can't find anything. And usually yeah. that's that stitch with the recruiter. And then they, they're like, well, you just got to do this one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, um, so, so yeah, but yours kind of like offered some insight into like how I'm feeling because it's mm -hmm. it is true. It's like it feels like the last job I had was I had it for essentially three years, mm -hmm. and it feels like almost every three to and I've worked at places longer, but it's like it feels like every three years you're like a new butterfly or something. Yeah, you know? like it's like I have to like shift who I am and and the idea of like. You know, you get told essentially when you're a kid, it's like you start working somewhere at 20 and then you spend 30 years there. Yeah. Which, you know, which is funny because I'm like, were people just retiring at 50? Like what was going on? And like, let's say the 1960s. Yeah. Like if if the idea was pre-college, like, I don't know, let's say, I don't know, even well, you get out of college at like 22 or something, mm -hmm. 22 to 24. So even still spend 30 years on a job you're 54 years old yeah and i guess they were probably also just dying at 60 so yeah, that's the difference yeah. living hard uh, yeah yeah and just to recap uh for the 12 people listening who haven't seen the tiktok mm -hmm. um not saying a lot of people listen i'm saying 12 people listen and they haven't seen the tiktok no. uh i had come across a video where somebody had 
just said she wishes that people in their 30s would talk about like starting over their career or like feeling like you're just getting started. Mm-hmm. So then I did a stitch with that, just saying, hey, everybody's constantly starting over. Everybody's constantly reinventing themselves. Um, and I have a good story for this, actually, that I think paints it in a really good way. Um, when I was 16, 17, I was doing landscaping and I was cutting grass at a daycare. Yeah. Uh, and then five years later, I was pulling orders in a warehouse that was delivering to that daycare. And then I got promoted and I was the person taking the orders for that daycare. And then I switched to marketing and I ended up doing the marketing for that daycare. So like there's this long period of my career that there were multiple changes, but everything centered around this daycare that was like two and a half miles from my house. Um, So like there were constants in it, but everything about my career over the last 15 years has changed drastically. The amount of jobs I've had, similar to what you're saying, Josh, like, I don't, I don't trust anyone who stays at a job for 30 years. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Um, Cause even a great company that cares about you, if it makes sense to let you go, they will let you go in a heartbeat. Like there is no loyalty to an employee. So I won't have loyalty to a company up until the point of like, Hey, you sign my paychecks. That's great. I'm happy with that. I have health insurance. That's great. But if a better opportunity comes along or if I decide I want to pursue something different, I feel no loyalty to a specific company um, because they don't actually have loyalty to me. And yeah. It doesn't make, make sense for them to have loyalty to me. Um, I enjoy yeah. what I do right now to an extent. But if somebody, if iHeart reached out and was like, hey, we can pay you half your salary to just do podcasts. I would find a way to make up that other half of the salary so I could do podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think what ends up happening kind of even to the point of like, like there was a point in uh, 2018, I had worked in finance for like six years, but Mm -hmm. it was with the same company, but it was like through different roles. So I always kind of felt like I was like starting over and also I was a contractor. So a contract would end then I'd have that feeling of I'm unemployed. Yeah. And then essentially two weeks later, they'd be like, Hey, do you want to come back? And this happened like two or three times while I was there. And then at some point through that process of being a contractor, I was training new hires that had like uh, their licenses. Yeah. And then eventually I got hired on to Vanguard and then I failed my finance test like twice. <laughs> and then I got let go by Vanguard. But then I got rehired by the contract company. And so I was working at Vanguard again. (laughs) So overall, I worked at Vanguard for like six years. But near the end of that point, I was like, uh, I was training people about like beneficiaries on IRA accounts, like how to set them up, what the kind of legality of all that stuff was. And then it's like no one really realized that I wasn't like a licensed employee because they had just seen me in so many different roles yeah like it was just like i don't know you just feel like you're a manager but outside of that it's like it's one it still felt that i was like changing who i was almost like every year like so i still had that feeling but at after 28 i like i quit i quit vanguard really actually i should say i like i got let go because i booked a three-week long tour Mm-hmm. And they gave me the time off, but then right as I left for tour, they were like, you can't take three weeks off. You know, like the computer <laughs> said I could. <laughs> yeah. And then and then they were like, well, you're going to get fired if you go. 
Yeah. Then I'm like, what, what point will I be fired? And they're like, well, essentially. So like the Monday of the third week, Mm -hmm. they were like, you know, and then I was in Chicago and it was like, well, you're let go. And I was like, okay. You know? And then from there, I just like worked odd jobs and stuff. Yeah. But my point being, I feel like it's like, I am, I am, I become so loyal. Like even if Mm -hmm. a company doesn't, obviously give a shit about me like i was a contractor there was no reason that i needed to like stay that long yeah and i just go no this is like i'm like helping this like i get this little thing in my brain because i feel like it's like i was raised to be loyal in that way yeah and to the point that it's like hurting me and it was like in the during the pandemic I had all these events jobs before the pandemic. I had all these events jobs that sort of mm-hmm. allowed for me to go on tour. So I could like yeah. be a sound guy for a few hours and do these like uh, set up for weddings. And I essentially had like three or four jobs yeah. so that whenever I go on tour, I could, you know, leave. And since they all didn't need me like a ton, yeah. but then that essentially all ended except for one of those side jobs during the pandemic. And that was like working in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then during the like almost the whole length of the pandemic, I stayed at that place because I was like, they need me yeah. in this role. I am the best dishwasher they have. Like, like, and it was, and that's like how bad it can get with me. It's sort mm-hmm. of like if I feel like I'm needed, I will stay at a place too long. Yeah. And, and it's like, I'm, I, and I think with like seeing you, I don't, dis, I don't, obviously don't disagree with it mm-hmm. and i definitely gave too much tmi in that example like uh i'm like broadcasting my l's like too hard but it's it's just to show like how loyal i yeah. will be and there's no reason for me to do that so i actually mm-hmm. think i'm like learning from seeing like from you and my wife has really like changed a lot of the way i look at things because she's done a version of kind of what you've done where it's sort of like I don't want to go. She was like, I don't want to go into this field unless mm-hmm. they pay me X. Yeah. And then they paid her X. And then she was like, wow, I didn't think that would work. And then, <laughs> you know, and then she had recruiters being like, and then she was like, well, I don't really want to move somewhere unless they pay me X. Yeah. And then they just kind of kept doing it. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, I got to stay at my little comic book job or something, you know, yeah. social media role and website stuff that I was doing before. And it's, to to whose benefit i guess mm-hmm. it's the uh of that long spiel it's 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 interesting to kind of see it um because i think i looked at sort of my disdain of capitalism different than you or my wife were doing because mm-hmm. it's kind of like if nothing matters and capitalism is bullshit then obviously i shouldn't be loyal yeah and and i should just kind of do there's a better way to say this but almost like do what's going to be best for me Mm -hmm. because there's not there's not like some pot of gold at the end where you know someone's going to give you the big capitalism badge or something (laughs) like (laughs) if everyone sort of getting a regular job isn't cheating the system so i don't Mm want to say that but it's like it's almost like if if everyone's kind of like you know uh, the 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 wealth gap is you know getting bigger and bigger it's like I don't need to be the one who suffers if I can help it, you know? Yeah. Right now I can't help it. So, so yeah. The, the way I think about it is I'm stuck in the system, so I have to find a way to survive within it. 
it is a system that exactly. I absolutely yeah. think should be destroyed because it's harmful. My brain is also perfectly wired to be really good at it. And so that's something I have to keep myself in check about is because I'm so good at masking and like code switching and like matching the energy of anyone I'm in the room with mm -hmm. that I could absolutely be like a, a life coach douchebag. Like I know that that is within me that I could turn that on. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have to be aware of that because that is something I am morally opposed to. But I also know I could probably make a lot of money. So there's like this line I have to walk of how far do I lean into this to build the life I want to live, but also not feel like I'm losing who I actually am within it. Yeah. And and I think that helps me. And not to say I'm not loyal to my company because the people I work with listen. I uh, <laughs> I am loyal in that I will show up. I will do the job the thing I care about most is my clients. Like I enjoy getting to build relationships with my clients and help their businesses succeed. For me, that's really the end goal of my job. But I tell everybody, I'm like, you're not paying me for what I do during the day. You're paying me for my time. The The stuff I do, the tasks of my job are just how I fill that time, but you're buying my time. Yeah. And my time is very valuable. So like, that's how I view it. And I feel like if I feel like my time is being wasted, then that's when I know I should move on because um, I'm not going to get more time back. Yeah. Like I've had companies offer positions, but it's like, oh, you need to be in office, you know, even if it's three days a week. I'm like, well, I, I don't want that. I dropped my daughter off at school today. Like I couldn't do that if I was commuting to work. Like those yeah. are things that I'm not willing to give back. I used to, I mean, when I lived in Atlanta, I was driving an hour and a half each way to work for years. That was just the norm. Uh, and I know that I can't go back to that. So like, yeah, I, I've drawn a bunch of lines and things that are acceptable and things that aren't. And I just view everything as you're buying my time. And are you wasting my time or not? Um, yeah. But beyond that, I will be as loyal as I need to be. And I will care because I do care. But I will also go where the opportunities make sense for me, um, which I think most people, if they're honest, will absolutely do that. Yeah, I, I think that the the thing that's important about going where the opportunity is, and I see that, is that I think that it, it's like companies need to be flexed on now <laughs> at this point. It's yeah. like, like I shouldn't have to go in just because you made a bad real estate decision. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like. If your actual job and the types of jobs we're talking about that we have, the juncture mm -hmm. I am in my life with the amount of time I've invested in the social media and like marketing and, you yeah. know, website kind of front end type things that I'm still exploring, it's like, I feel like I'm like, I have to go in this direction and the direction that I built. Mm -hmm. There's not many instances where I have to be in an office. Yeah. You know, there's so many different projects that I don't have to be. And it's funny that after all of the time that, you know, through the pandemic and past that we know that it works, but people yeah. are now reverting back to, no, we'll work better. And I've had those instances where like the boss told us to like come back, like, hey, let's go back to three days a week. Yeah. And then we were still one, I would potentially be the only one in the office on a Zoom meeting, <laughs> you know, or like. Yeah, just things like that where it's sort of like, who are we doing this for? Like, who are mm -hmm. we going in for? 
you know, it, but I think what's important is I think it's important for people to, to be able to stand up to employers and because I hope that the end result is it, this is not going to happen. This is what my, <laughs> my dream would be, uh, is that companies need to start caring for their employees yeah. more. And it's sort of like you could actually make me loyal if it felt like you cared and not just with like pizza or saying that we're family or something, mm -hmm. you know, like, but like, I feel like it's like, if we tell employers no more, you know, yeah. or don't actually do the thing you don't want to do within reason, then hopefully the end result is like, we get pensions again or, you know, some <laughs> kind of thing, you know, like, like, it's like actually be like, Oh no, I need, I need these people more than they need me. You know, yeah. that's the power dynamic is like, really weird and continues to be weird and will probably always be weird, honestly. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of pushback on workers' rights. And I think you and I are kind of on like the far edge of it where we see that and we are more comfortable being vocal about it. Whereas people coming into the workforce now are much more vocal and much more aggressive about it because yeah. they know the opportunities they're going to have are so diminished compared to the already diminished opportunities that we had. Yeah. Um, so I think there's been so much labor movement talk and so many unions going on strike and so much progress there. I do think we'll continue to see that, but I think in the corporate world, we'll start to see more companies realize, Hey, if we switch to a four day work week and not four tens, four eights, we're going to draw people because they want those 52 days a year back. Like, yeah, People will take a pay cut to get 52 days a year back because it just makes sense. Or more and more companies fully covering healthcare, not just for an employee, but for a full family. Um, there's been times where to insure my family, I was paying almost $2,000 a month for health insurance. Yeah. it's That's insanity. Um, obviously, I will leave that job as soon as something comes along. Because like when I was in it, I was like, I'm losing $25,000 a year <laughs> yeah, for health insurance. So I, I think more people will raise their hand and will be vocal about that. It'll be a long fight. But then as far as like us pushing back, and I say all of this knowing that I am currently employed, I'm also a tall white guy who speaks confidently. Like I know that it's easier for me to walk into a room and be like, hey, I don't want to do this or I don't think yeah. this is right than it is for other people it's also my personality to do that so like it's kind of expected that I'll, i will be a pain in the ass yeah like obviously that's, yeah. that's who i am so like i see those things but that doesn't make it less important that i do it because me mm -hmm. talking about those things that i'm uncomfortable with or like hey i don't think it's right that we do things this way um being in marketing a lot of what we do is manipulating data to make our work look good to show it to a client because you don't want to have a conversation like, hey, we fucked up this month. Like all yeah. the numbers are bad. So like, how do we manipulate the data to make things look good? And I just, as a blanket statement, will tell people like, hey, I know it will make our company look good if we do this. I'm not going to do it because I am morally opposed to manipulating these numbers to then hand that to the client. Like that is not yeah. something I'm comfortable with. Yeah. I, I don't have to worry about losing my job doing that, but other people might. <laughs> 
So See, there, that, there was like something, it was, I don't know, probably everything I'm going to say was a TikTok in some, some way, <laughs> but uh, there was like a company, I, I mean, it's, it's on the, it was on the news a few years ago, but basically they were, they were like, we're not going to pay any worker less than X amount of dollars, you know? Yeah. It was like and, 60, 60,000 was the yeah. base. Yeah. One thing I think about that is just that I feel like if it's it's kind of the evil way of being like uh, caring for workers that mm -hmm. I almost feel like you could probably get a lot out of people to make them work longer hours than they should yeah. if you treated them with respect. Absolutely. So it's almost like at the end of it, you might actually be able to get me to like pull out my phone and check Slack at 8 p.m. because you pay me yeah. so much more than other places. That's not the best reason to do it, but I but it's sort of like if people can if companies could use mm -hmm. workers rights to be able to, to you know to to almost a bad degree but then it's sort of like yeah. i don't know you know like but i don't i don't see that many companies doing that i'm like you probably could get a lot more work out of me if you if you like threw these yeah. things at me you know you, you know like i i yeah. don't know i've thought about that some and it's sort of like the end result is kind of weird but i'm no, like, I, better than Care buys loyalty. If yeah. you know that you're being treated fairly and that you feel like you were cared for, you will be more loyal. Because like we've all had jobs where you're treated like shit. You know you're treated like shit. They know they're treating you like shit. And so it, it doesn't matter. You're going to slack off. You're going to do less work. Like you said, you're not going to open Slack at 8 p.m. for a job where you know the your boss doesn't even know your name. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's, there's no reason to. So it's kind of like the the love bombing approach that like cults take. Yeah. Like they draw you in and they just shower you with love to like slowly get you to do what they want you to do. Um, there are marketing agencies that do that, like even use the terminology of love bombing, uh, which is pretty weird. Um, yeah. But I think it, as these conversations evolve and as more people are more vocal, companies will start to see that as a tool to recruit and retain employees if they treat them well because it's expensive to find new employees yeah it takes time typically you've got people that have to cover if somebody quit so it, it puts a strain on an entire team so you want to retain those people i think they there will start to be a shift um not in corporate america but like smaller companies will, will absolutely see the need for it yeah it's just then what will they take away when they start to give something <laughs> I'm looking, I'm also looking again at the written down topic mm -hmm. that, uh, and I'm wondering, uh, if we've done it, um, you know, so I guess like, okay, so maybe I'll, I'll do it myself. So I feel like once again, at this juncture of my career, um, see, this is why we never get to the actual topic because I think of something else uh, and it feels like it's more important. <laughs> but there was something that you were talking about with Jordan and just this idea of like, you know, kind of like working your way up and then you kind of mm -hmm. like one thing kind of leads to the next thing. Yeah. There are so many times in my journey where it kind of feels like I go down an angle, like when I worked in finance mm -hmm. and then it, you kind of get to the end well, in my case, failing the finance exams that I needed necessary to be in that that climate. But it wasn't I can I can't really add that well, you know, but I, yeah. you don't really have to do that when you're talking through finance. But but it yeah. would be helpful, 
it's probably why I didn't pass these tests. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of like I a lot of times with starting over, it hasn't always felt like, a, oh, well, let me sit here for a second because I still am going towards this goal. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's so many things where it's like, oh, uh, you know, it almost would feel like it's like, oh, I guess I'm a wedding DJ now. That's what I do. Like uh, yeah. I, I was I was a professional fisherman and now I'm a wedding DJ. And well, now let's see what social media marketing is like. That's where it's yeah. kind of felt like within my thing. But in a way, I felt like with my last role, it felt like the first time all of those things started to kind of synergize, if I'm using the word yeah. right, into kind of like, oh, no, all of these things kind of taught me things about myself and about people so that I know people and I know how people mm react on like a website and where what they want because i am the consumer i am the user i am the guy who bought the comic books i am the guy who bought you know because like with my last job being like a comic book price guide and working in like concert posters and stuff it was like no i am the actual customer yeah you know and then so it was like looking at things from the lens of the customer because i feel like there's people a lot of times when you're building a product or like a marketing product of any any sort of thing, you have to constantly reset and remind yourself, like, who is the end user? Yeah. And customers will, uh, you know, like or your boss will say that a bunch of times. But a lot of times they think the end user is them, yeah. you know, but they're not. They built a thing and they're not at that place anymore. Mm-hmm. And all that to say, it's like. It's like I, I, for once, I'm trying to use those skills that I learn to go to the next step mm-hmm. instead of being like, oh, well, I guess I'm a f- professional break dancer now or something, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like try and actually like plug that in and stay the course Yeah. in the first time in my life way too late into my thirties. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, first off, I don't think there's a way too late, like transitioning into one thing or picking a new course, I don't feel like there's really time frames on that. If you have the skill set and the drive to do it, it's more about the drive, especially in like marketing and social media, because it's a pain in the ass to work in mm-hmm. and it's constantly changing. Um, I mean, five years ago, a business didn't have to worry about what their TikTok presence was going to look like. Yeah. Cause it wasn't a thing. And now it's like, oh, this is the most popular social media on the planet. How do we leverage this for brand awareness and to sell products? Yeah. Like the problem solving side of it will always change, but it has to be like this drive to, do I care about it enough to learn these new things as they roll out? You know, being primarily in like paid search and SEO for most of my career, it's like, oh, Google's taking away cookies. What does digital marketing look like? if everything has an opt-out and I can't retarget anyone. Yeah. What does that mean for digital marketing? Do you feel like you solved what that means for you? No, no. Um, (laughs) Cause I, I don't, I wouldn't know the answer to that either. I mean, like I've, I essentially, I would work on teams with people that were mm -hmm. way more adept at SEO than I was. Like, uh, I always feel like I'm like, Oh, I actually kind of felt like during my three years at uh, my last job, Mm-hmm. what became apparent is that I it's like I was the customer I was like the yeah. internal customer that was yeah. always like 
no, I know, I know what these people want. And mm -hmm. that wasn't always clear. And it, it's funny because it's kind of like, it's kind of like, once again, something you're talking about on the episode with Jordan, where it's kind of like all of these things that you kind of learned while on tour or like playing in bands or like, just like working in these kind of, I guess, being part of a subculture. Yeah. Personally, I take them highly for granted because they're just things that me and all my friends can do. Like, yeah. like it's like, I know 30 different people that could make you a flyer, you yeah. know, but it's sort of like, then actionably, that's something I could put on my resume, like design. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then I'm like, I'm not a designer. You know, like that, like, it's like, I know a guy, I know this guy over here, that's a much better designer than me. Yeah. But to most people that haven't lived in a subculture and had to kind of create things on a day to day basis, just because mm -hmm. they wanted to be part of, quote unquote, the scene, Yeah. you know, uh, you know, so, so it's, I'm not even sure how I got to that point. But, <laughs> but it's like, all of these things, I, I started being aware that it's like, oh, no, this thing that I learned you know, is helpful, you know, yeah. like, it's like, oh, I can get this guy on the phone. And they're like, how can you do that? And like, I just, I know how to, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it's like, people don't necessarily know. Um, but those are all skills that I learned mm -hmm. from like being in bands, booking shows, booking tours all across yeah. the country and Canada and Japan. And it's, those aren't things that you can be taught in school. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and so it's a lived experience that is, but that's a hard thing to put on a resume, especially when I'm like starting over, you know, yeah. that, that, that's, that's kind of like where I am in my journey. It's, it's kind of been, how do you show all of that with that, with, without looking like the craziest person's resume, <laughs> you know? Uh, so do you, here's how I do that kind of stuff. So because I am a person who has changed jobs a lot, um, I will take older positions and I will just meld things together. So mm -hmm. I will extend a time frame because it doesn't really matter. If we're talking about a job I was at eight years ago, it's almost irrelevant. And even if they're like, hey, we want to talk to someone at this company. It's eight years ago. No one even works there anymore that worked yeah. there when I was. So whatever. And then I will take skill sets and just start to combine stuff. So like planning tours, that's event planning. Yeah. You've you've done event planning. If you want to get into, hey, this is logistics, figuring out how we get from one position to another. You do audio and video editing. So like editing a music video, like we were talking about before the record even started. Like those are all skill sets that go a really long way, especially in marketing, because somebody's always looking for someone like, hey, can we cut this video for social? Like yeah. we need to get this punched up. Like, so just finding the keywords for those of how does this relate to the type of job I'm looking for and finding a couple of those keywords and then baking them into whatever position you want to plug those into. Because like we said, it's an AI that's scanning every resume anyway. Yeah. And they're going to say, hey, we need to look for these 10 words. Uh, so that's the way I've always done it is I just kind of distill everything down into bullet points of like, I did this, 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 and this, and I make sure they're keyword rich. I'm essentially doing SEO on my resume. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was like the things that also kind of hover over and uh, it's like the, still this idea of like, well, you, 
now I guess back to the working somewhere for 30 years. It's like the Mm -hmm. benefit of working somewhere for 30 years, hypothetically, highly hypothetically, is that you, you kind of get like vested into a 401k or something. And you're like, you know, you're like, oh, well, I'll be able to X at the end of this, you know, however much money dollars I can hypothetically retire, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, that's like another side of it where it's like my eyes, like barely on it. And I remember talking, I was talking to a guy the other day about like, cause he's been at the same company for feels like 20 years. Um, they've like changed names, but essentially it's Muzak and he's just been there forever. Yeah. And he was like, I don't, I mean, really like really save for my retirement. <laughs> and he's like older than me. And he's been at this job for a long time because he was like, I don't envision that I will be around long enough for it to matter. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's dark. Yeah, it's very <laughs> yeah. dark. Yeah, It's very dark. But it's sort of like, it feels so daunting. And it feels so daunting with those things. It was kind of like, I think like a piece, and there's a point I'm trying to make, it, and it doesn't really have to do about 401ks. It's just like, even with like a 401k, it's good to remind yourself like it's just kind of one piece at a time. You know, like it's, it's sometimes it's like, even where I'm at with like, uh, not having a job currently for the Mm -hmm. past few months, it's kind of like, if you look at the whole house and you're like, I have to, or I have to build this house. Yeah. Oh shit. That's a big task. I have no clue how to do that. And it's, it's going to sound corny. So brace yourself. It starts with one brick, Yeah, you know, (laughs) and that's like, absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of where it's like, you know, and then it and then it all starts to fall in place, you know, mm-hmm. because it's it's important to think like it's like, well, you at least have to go in that direction. And like the direction that I'm choosing to go with, like this kind of starting over thing is I feel that I need things on my resume Mm-hmm. that aren't just hey i'm a guy that has lived a rich life and i can tell you all these things i need these actionable things yeah that people can point to to know that i actually do have the experience because like we've kind of talked through and i know we've talked about in other times i feel like if i'm thrust into a situation i can figure it out yeah but that has that doesn't necessarily help your employability in certain mm-hmm. cases so as of like next week, um, depending on when this pod comes out, uh, as of next week, I'm starting a course on UI UX design, like something that I've I've done a decent amount of, but yeah. I'm like at the end of it, I will have an actual certificate. I will yeah. be able to put that on my resume so that will serve me a little bit closer to getting those roles yeah. so that I can stay in that, you know, that element, that that type of job. Because that's where I am. It's can then after that, it's like maybe I need to take an SEO course or something. You're yeah. like, may, you know, that's kind of where I am in my career. It's like kind of I've been playing Zelda a lot. So this is the example. It's like you get to a point in your journey where you realize you're like, oh, I have to go back to like Lookout Tower because I forgot to get the shield or yeah. something. And it's like, I need to get this so that I can go back. Yeah. And I guess we'll beat Ganondorf, I guess that's the end <laughs> of that story. Uh, but, but that's where, where I, where I am in my journey is, uh, I have to pick up these skills that, uh, he heard my Southern accent come out very strongly, um, uh, <laughs> that allow me to hopefully be more employable, um, uh, is where I am in this process. Of yeah. Life. 
is UX UI design is leaning into that based on it being what you were doing most recently, or is it, Hey, I think that this is something I actually want to pursue. Like the idea yeah. of starting over and getting, you know, a certificate. So you can say, Hey, I have proof of concept. I have, I can do this. I am functionally capable of doing said job. Is that yeah. means to an end of like, Hey, I will be employable or means to an end of this is where I think I want to go the next 10, 15 years. It's it's uh, kind of both. I mean, near the end of my role, there were a lot of instances where the tech started started getting there. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of the building of the, the site was kind of like, make the clock work. Yeah, you know, and it was because I would have conversations with my boss. And it's like, what do we do about the face of the clock? You know, yeah. and then he would say, well, there's no reason to fix the face of the clock if the back of the clock doesn't work at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I would agree or disagree, but I see the point. What's the point of people yeah. using your site if it doesn't work the way you say it does? Yeah. But I also think that people don't feel like a site can work if it doesn't look like it can work. So yeah. there's a thing of that. So I started getting really interested in that. Like, it's like just looking at it as a customer and being like, would I even use this site with the way it looks? Because mm -hmm. there's a thing even about people's logos. Like when I'm applying for jobs and a logo speaks to me, I feel like I want to work there, which is not a very smart way to be, but it, it, no, it, it makes it, sense. It does, the same. It does work. Cause you're like, yeah. that feels like a place where they care about their image. Yeah. And so they care about, I, in my mind, I extend that to then they must care about their employees. They, they probably don't, but, but that's where I go. They, they care yeah. about how they're perceived by the outside world. And then, so that's why I got really thinking about UI UX. And then there were things where I was like, what if the button was over here? Mm -hmm. And then the, you know, the tech people would just change it, you yeah. know? And then I was like, oh shit, I can do that. <laughs> and then, you know, like I can you know, affect then, real change. Yeah. And then. <laughs> People were like, yeah, that's just UI UX design. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, yeah. Like, uh, and then like, so I looked into it more and I just kind of started putting more of those kind of Jira tickets and things in like, hey, what yeah. if the button's over here? What if this takes you here? Or, you know, what if it looks like it works? So by the time <laughs> you get it to work, people, you know, it's like, why, why is it? Why is this space just negative space? Mm -hmm. You know, and those kind of things to so the end user started really interesting, being interesting to me because they felt creative. Yeah. You know, they feel like a thing that it's like, it's like if I click here and then I get to here and less than two clicks or something, you know, mm -hmm. that, that feels like it's like you're allowing the end result or the, the, the sell, yeah. you know, it's like if I have to click three times, I'm not buying your product. You know, yeah. but if I can click once and get to the thing quicker, you know, that's what a lot of times UI UX design is. Yeah. So I think I'm already forgetting what your question was, but, but I started being really interested in that more than I was interested in any of the other aspects of like fake email jobs. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, I know that I built my experience in the space for you know, uh, anywhere from three to 15 years, depending on who you ask or what the skill is. And yeah. so it's like, oh, I built my life into this direction. 
And because of like running a record label and, you know, even like podcasting and social media and stuff that have gone with it, yeah. it's like, if I stay the course, this is actually an aspect of it that seems interesting that isn't completely like, oh, I need to go learn how to code. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that might be a next step later on, mm -hmm. but it at least feels like it's like a building block towards that direction of, uh, kind of having those actionable things on like a resume yeah that you know don't make you the first person laid off yeah <laughs> um no i i like I, th I think you and i think about things very similarly where for me user journey is something i think about a lot if i'm looking at a site because like if i get to a site and i'm like well, i can't even find the button to get to where i want to go I'm bouncing. doesn't matter what the mm -hmm. product is. doesn't matter yeah. how interested I am. If I think it's going to be a pain in the ass to find what I'm looking for, because I'll, I'll go find it somewhere else. Yeah. So like the user journey side of it is interesting to me. I like that problem solving side of it. And this actually directly correlates back to what I was talking about with, with uh, Jordan of like for him, figuring out logistics for a company scratches that same itch as writing a song because he has a problem. He knows how it starts and he knows where it needs to end. He just has to figure out everything in between. Yeah. Is UX UI similar for you of like, Hey, this is where it's at now. This is where I need it to go. And now I need to connect all the dots. I need yeah. a verse, chorus, bridge and an outro. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even sometimes with that journey, like here's the thing. And I know it probably doesn't serve me well. in uh, like interviews, uh, mm -hmm. maybe our interview or really job interviews, but I mean, <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't like the terminology that people will throw around in marketing that don't actually like, well, I know it means something to the internal person, mm -hmm. but it, but it's kind of like trying to cut through it and be like, what do we actually mean? Imagine yeah. I'm a consumer and I'm hearing someone say like, for example, on the site that I used to work for, uh, this company called go collect, it doesn't matter. And we're an hour into the conversation. Uh, they they use this thing with like list so mm -hmm. it's like on letterboxd you you can make a list of the movies you're watching or like yeah. my favorite bond movies which i actually do have a list of uh but then i'll they, note that for later we'll talk about it they, they <laughs> had they had a thing that said nested and i mm -hmm. understand what nested means mm -hmm. but i'm like does a general consumer know what nested means it's a no. list within a list yeah then it's like there's gotta be a way that you say that without using that word because that word isn't sexy that word yeah. isn't cool and that word is that word's too complicated yeah and it's like it's 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 something that like a tech guy wrote and he thinks makes sense mm -hmm. but you didn't take a step out because yeah. there's so many times where like people will relaunch their site and they've used it internally and they, you know, but, but they don't think about who their end user is. Yeah. And then, so we start using all of these words. Like, it's like, there's certain UI UX words that, you know, I could have used, you know, it's like wireframes and things like that. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I worked on it on Figma, which is, these aren't like difficult words, but I just think sometimes we're, we throw these things around and they don't, they don't mean anything to the end user. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they're like genre tags. Like it's like. Yeah if something being like indie pop means something to you and helps you put it in a little pot a little easier, that's, that's yeah. cool. But to the end user, what is it? 
what does it mean? You know, yeah. it doesn't matter if they're not going to be able to use your product or listen to your song easily in a way that works for them. Mm-hmm. And that's subjective, but it's but that's kind of like how I like to think of things instead of like getting it's even like when when people start just throwing around it's like ROI, you know, like you know, KPI. And it's like what does that mean for the end user? You know, and I think I think maybe there's so many times in meetings there are nice things to throw around so that someone's like, mm-hmm. oh, I did pay the right guy, you know, yeah. and that's that's great. But it's like when you break it down, it's like, what are you what are you doing for me? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, so it's like stepping into that kind of headspace and being like. If if this is the intention of your your site or your product. Is it going to get me to where I need to go as quick as possible? Yeah. Because I don't give a shit like how long you took to like code it using PHP. Yeah. I need to use this for this specific purpose. Yeah. And that was like a constant battle, but I I liked the battle. I was mm-hmm. like, stream it down, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I am in my journey. Yeah. That be the advocate for the user, because for you, if you are ui ux focus that is the goal is giving them the best possible experience yeah to to a degree i mean i think probably an actual ui ux you you know person that's has tenure that's potentially not a lot of what they do um because there's even a there's a different subset of it called like uh, people would call it cx Mm -hmm. you know it's like customer experience and so it's even stepping outside of it's stepping outside of the actual like design like this this button leads to this thing, that this mm-hmm. thing and all that stuff. And this is where you, this, I show my work, show my journey. Yeah. But it's like, okay, you did all of that, but is this just snazzy or does it yeah. actually help the person? Can it be a product of two? Yeah. And so I'm trying to eyeball it more from that, but I also do feel like I need to build up those skills mm-hmm. to, to a point of even songwriting again. It's like, I went so long and I've done the exact same thing in my career where it's I'll figure it out along the way. Like the I'll yeah. build the airplane as it's crash about the crash, you know? Yeah. And I have been able to do that. But at some point uh, over like the last year and a half and not any longer because I'm unemployed, but I was taking guitar lessons. Mm-hmm. And then there were certain things where it was like, if I had known... Because I thought that guitar lessons would sort of take the mystery out of songwriting. And kind of like, I liked being like an idiot about it. I liked being able to sort of like stumble myself into a good hook. But one of the things like working on slightly on musical music theory and just learning how to play chords properly and things Mm -hmm. like that, where it was like, oh, certain songs are written in this this structure. Like this, if you use this structure and you know where like a one, four, five is... Yeah. Then you know how to craft the thing that you struggle for a few hours to craft. And it's like a cheat code. So it's like, I can figure out how to do the thing, mm-hmm. but I also need to accept that potentially if I, you know, if I take this course and I get to the end and I have the certificate, yeah, then I've pushed myself along quicker into my journey. And so not to be so like, risk you know, I guess back to that original point of like uh, of being on Twitter and being like, you know, maybe I don't want to post the same meme. And it's yeah. like, well, you know, there there could be some there could be something one could learn 
from joining the herd a little bit, you know, yeah. in a way that it's sort of like, well, no, this is, if you look at this and this is how they got from point A to point B, mm-hmm. I know I want to get from point A to point B. So why do I make this difficult? And then try yeah. and like build my own bridge when the bridge has already been built. But also knowing how something works and how it's built allows you to deconstruct it and rebuild it in a new way that still fits the yeah. same mold. Like, I know you and I are both movie nerds. So Scream is a perfect example of they took a genre that was dead. Like there was the slasher boom in the 80s, obviously tapered off due to oversaturation. It was just garbage in the early 90s. Scream comes out and it follows all the same rules, but then it talks about the rules while it's doing it. It pokes fun at the rules and then it inverses some of the rules. And so in doing that, they took everything that is a set template and they made it fresh while still playing by the same exact rules, but just acknowledging the rules that were in place. Yeah. So I think by having an understanding of what you're doing inside and out, and I'm very much the same way as you, I'll be like, well, I'll, I'll figure it out while I'm doing it. Like that is how I've built my career has just been, I will say I can do this job. I will get in and I'm confident enough in my skill set to be like, yeah, I can, I can figure out how to make this happen. Yeah. Um, but now I want to step back and look at those things and be like, okay, I know how it works. Now, how do I change it to make it something new or make it something fresh or have a different approach in a way that people aren't thinking about it because they also know the rules and they're just following the rules. So yeah. I want, I want to use those rules, but I want to kind of break them while I use them. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of the same thing, but I, I, yeah, when you understand how the thing was made, like sometimes when I'm having to make a flyer, like recently it's like i asked a friend like hey can you send me your file you know and it's like i want to look at how you made these layers work mm-hmm. and then my end result i just went a completely different way but i could you could see you could see the skeleton behind it and then you yeah. know where to go and so it's like it's not always you know the, the the back to songwriting it's like it's not it wasn't always actually a mystery there was a skeleton behind it that I just needed to inspect a little bit more. And yeah. so it's like, it's like, I mean, it is like, like scream in the way that it's like, it's kind of like being an artist. Like, you know, if you kind of like take classes and you, you learn all the concepts and all the things that you, you're supposed to do, then you can go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm this, this is my voice, mm-hmm. but you know where the lines lie. Yeah. If you've taken those kind of things, it's not to say you can't end up still being a good artist if you didn't go that way. Yeah. But if you know it, then you're, you know, exactly where to color outside the lines. You know, uh, it's, it's once again, this is very corny moment. It's like jazz, you know, it's like everyone thinks everyone. I gotta, I gotta jazz. go podcast over. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's like one thing I learned in those, those music classes is like jazz often goes through the same format and i'm not remembering what the what the one four or five or six or whatever it is yeah but they often they often i'll say often always uh follow a certain bone structure and so they know Mm -hmm. where they're not yeah you know and then so they know where to build from and then so people are like how are you doing that Mm -hmm. but they know where the one is yeah you know and it's like i need to learn to know where the one is you know yeah you know, I I know how to do it, but I need to kind of learn where the bones are. Yeah, I. That's kind of how I like. It's jazz. When it's jazz, but also like David Lynch. When I watch a David Lynch movie, I feel that also, of like 
Yeah, he knows where he's going. He knows where the one is. It makes no sense most of the time, but I know in the end it will resolve in a way that makes sense and makes me feel something. Yeah. Even if the journey is confusing. <laughs> like it's like he's like have you seen Straight Story? Yeah. That if anyone is not convinced that David Lynch knows how to make a movie, mm-hmm. watch Straight Story. Yeah. Like the guy knows how to make a movie. I wasn't confused by it, but if you need a reminder, watch Straight Story. The guy knows how to make a movie that your mm-hmm. parents would love. Yeah. You know, and it's like it feels slightly like a Christian film, but, you know, in like the best. I mean, it's an amazing movie. Like, yeah, like it's one of my favorites by him. Um, But it also just feels like I understand why it's not the movie in his catalog that people are talking about because it's not doing the David Lynch things. Yeah. But it, I feel like it shows you. This guy knows exactly what he could do. Mm-hmm. And also, it's like he knows where the lines are. He yeah. just chooses not to do it. And you get, you know, whatever kind of, you know, you get like wild at heart or whatever. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So that's that's where I am in my journey. And uh, it's it is scary. It's like feeling like you're starting over. I, the first agency I was at, it was a startup. I think I was the 12th or 13th person at the company. Uh, I was there for a year, almost a year and a half. And then our biggest client got bought out and they took all their marketing in house. And so like when that happened, we all just kind of knew it was like, oh, layoffs are coming. We'll try to make it work. Um, And then when like my time came, I was the second round of layoffs. And that was a job where I like genuinely felt like, oh, I would stay at this company forever. Like I was so happy. Uh, I had made people I'm still friends with 12 years later. Um, I had gotten a friend hired. So like it was just turning into this like very communal feeling every time I was at work. Like the work was hard and it was stressful. It was a startup. It was a struggle every day. But it felt great to be doing it. And then it was like, oh, it's just cut out from under me. And now I'm like back to zero. And then the next move, I went from being an account manager to doing data analytics, like pulling lists together for car dealership mailers. And it was like, what just happened? Like I was on the path I thought was going to be what I was doing. And and now like, what the fuck is this job? I, I don't even know how to explain what I'm doing every day yeah, now. Yeah. And it, it, it felt like, oh, is this just what I do? Like this company's established. I did the startup thing. Do not, do I now just take the safe route and like stay here? Uh, and I did for two years. And then I was like, I can't do this. This doesn't feel right. So like, all right, I'm going to start over again. I'm going to, I'm going to go back into account management. And then I think after that, that second job jump, I was like, Oh, it's not as scary as I thought. Like any, Anytime I feel like I should start over, I should just start over. Yeah. Because it's been a good experience almost every time. There was one job I took that I was awful at. It just it, A couple months in, I was like, guys, clearly this isn't for either of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I went and I did something else. But it, it's a weird place to be in. The uncertainty is not fun. But I feel like I've learned a lot about what I am and am not good at by just leaning into those things. And then also acknowledging like, Hey, if I thought I would be good at this, but I'm not, that's okay. 
Like it doesn't have to be for me. Yeah. I'm not saying like you'll get into a UX role and be like, I can't do this shit. Um, I mean, I might, it might come to the end of it. And then I'm like, you know, I don't like this as much as mm -hmm. I thought because yeah. I, I, I know people that work in it and the downside to a lot of it is you work at building a thing, you make a, like a presentation mm -hmm. and then people go, cool, we're never going to do that, yeah. but thank you for it. You know? And then, so that, I mean, that can be like, oh shit, now I'm going to go work somewhere else because what's the point if I keep making these little PowerPoint things or show, yeah. show your work in Figma. And then someone goes, yeah, I don't think our client has the budget for that or like, yeah blah, 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 whatever it is. So, you know, there's definite downsides and, you know, but it's like, it also feels like being that we're all kind of doomed or destined, depending on how we're looking at it, to work in these kind of email spaces, these fake email jobs Yeah, that I at least need to like build up the, you know, being to build up my skills, you know? Yeah. So it's like, even if the end result, I don't land there, I feel that by knowing, and I, I've mm -hmm. seen it because I've seen it in practice, by knowing it will serve me well, depending on where I want to go within this digital space. Yeah. And so that's sort of the, but I need to follow through with it first to kind of yeah. make that assessment before I go, okay, well, I'm a wedding DJ now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just because it's a step doesn't mean it has to be the destination. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. But, Let's uh, do it. That's about as positive of a note as I think we could land on. I think right. so. I know you have a ton of other shit. So plug all your stuff. Where can people find you, follow you, buy your new album, all of that? Yeah. Yeah. There was a there was a part an hour into the conversation. I was like, I'm not promoting my new album. It's uh, fine. I'll also do it in the intro. So we'll get it at the top and the, the bottom. And then I'll also include links. But yeah. Um, yeah so. Okay, so uh, I'm in a band called Late Bloomer. I'm also in another band called All Right, but the one that's uh, putting out an album at oh, on March 1st, it's called Another One Again. It's our fourth album. And uh, yeah, you can buy it at latebloomer.bandcamp.com. That would be the easiest place to do it. It's also being released by Self Aware Records and Dead Broke Records out of New York. Each label has their own color vinyl. So if you're into the physical side of it, uh, hopefully you are, because I would like to sell records <laughs> so that I can keep putting out records. Uh, so even if you're not going to open it and you just want a souvenir, give me 20 or so dollars. And uh, I believe the record is good. Um, but, you know, it's like Spotify doesn't really help anything. Uh, yeah. The metrics sort of like help me and, and my ego uh which you know it could it could my ego could be better um uh, okay. so more you know, streams is what you're yeah. saying more so more streams. streams would be nice buying it would be nice listening to it would be nice uh just listen to late bloomer another one again we have three singles out the first one self-control mother mary and hope for rain we've made it really easy for you if you go on streaming they're all sandwiched into one little playlist thing. You so each time them. I nest, I did nest them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they're all on their own little thing. So as we continue and go towards, you're getting all of these singles and you're starting to see the full picture, you, one brick at a time. Um, and I would love it for you to listen to it. You could also listen to my podcast spinning out where I talk to musicians. It's actually not super far from what we're doing here yet we don't talk about jobs we talk about albums but in this in the way that we do so uh 
if you like Zach's podcast, which if you've listened this far, I assume you have, because if not, <laughs> yeah. you've hatefully what been the listening. Hell? <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, you know, check that out. Also hear me on George Center, which I think Zach is actually a part of now, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's it's our in quotes comedy podcast. Um, and yeah, I can't really explain it any other way than that. Uh, but that, I think that's basically everything I have to promote. Cool. I'll also, uh, I'll add your LinkedIn just for fun. So people can add you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't give my handles on anything, but you know, find me, just find me somewhere. I'm not going to tell you my handles and I'm not trying to be coy. I just don't, I have too many handles to kind of give. So, but you know, if you want to see me on Twitter, uh, other Jay Robbins, but you know, I I know we, we have to get back to the things that we're doing. (laughs) Um, so let's wrap it up. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. (laughs)